but it starts by allowing ourselves to dare to dream. We cannot achieve a goal if we don't have a goal. So what goals do we actually want? And what goals did we want? And what goals did society encourage us to want? And what goals do we actually really want now? Hello, hello. My name is Hannah Herbs and I welcome you to another episode of Reaching Your Goals. Reaching Your Goals is my career-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals and we talk about leadership and career-related topics to give you the insights to get one step closer to living a fulfilled professional life. In case you wonder, depending on the day, I either wear the hat of a certified leadership and career coach or a management consultant and have an MBA from NYU. Stern School of Business. No matter which hat I'm wearing, my mission is simple and stays the same to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness and have some fun along the way. For this week's episode, we have a great, great topic. It's time management. And I could not think of a better guest than Abigail Barnes for it. Abigail is a qualified coach as well as an expert on time management and productive well-being. With her company, Success by Design Training, she supports individuals and companies in their quest to get better at time management. As part of it, she's also the creator of the renowned 888 formula. And we will learn today what is behind it and how we can use it. Abigail is based in London in the UK. Abigail started off her career in financial services marketing until life happened. And she found herself on a journey of self-discovery and somehow ended up in time management. I don't want to spoil it too much. Let's wait for Abigail to share her story with us. Another behind the scenes I need to share with you. I was in London recently and whom did I meet there? Abigail. She's the first podcast guest that I've actually been meeting in person. And I love that about my podcast journey. I get to meet super interesting people now, even in person, and they can bring their stories to you, but we all learn from it. I love it. And if you enjoyed as well, please rate the show with five stars, leave a great comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell your friends about it. The whole shebang. Thank you. With that, it's time to jump in and learn more about time management. Abigail, it's great to see you again. How are you doing today? Oh my goodness. So, so, so excited to be here and for this conversation we're going to have today. It's all about time management. And before we get there, I would love to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Short questions, short answers. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Our topic will be time management. What kind of watch do you wear? This is such an interesting question. The watch I wear, I bought on a flight, on a British Airways flight, many, many years ago. And... I got into this habit of always buying things whenever I flew anywhere to remind me of the trip. So every time I look at this watch, it reminds me of the first time that I flew to the south of France in my teens or not my late teens when I was sort of into my career. And it stretched me to be able to afford to buy the watch at the time. So this was like a milestone thing. And I still wear the same watch because it's such a great reminder. And in this day and age, we look at our phone for the time most of the time anyway. So the watch is just sentimental. And do you remember what you wanted to become when you were a little kid? When I was a very little kid, I used to lay under the trees and watch the clouds go by. 
And I think I wanted to be a professional <laughs> cloud watcher. <laughs> and then as I got a little bit older, I, I just always knew I wanted to work for myself. Like I just wanted to be somebody who was doing their own thing. And you just said it. Now you run your own business. What is the coolest thing about that? The coolest thing about that is I can say yes to doing podcasts like this and have awesome conversations with amazing humans and that I get to share the message that we're going to talk about on this podcast today with people around the world and that it actually changes their time and their relationship with time. So I would say that that is pretty awesome. Who is one of your role models? Who is one of my role models is a, is a very interesting question. I'm, I'm a super eclectic learner and reader, so I'm influenced by multiple different people in different sectors. So people who do food and nutrition influence me people who travel and go to far-flung places influence me people who start businesses and overcome adversity influence me but I would say one of my greatest influences on my journey has been Brene Brown when she first did her TEDx talk the vulnerability TED talk as we affectionately love to call it uh, this This conversation wasn't even being had anywhere. So for me, I admire the fact that she started the conversation and that we are able to be in the place that we are when it comes to talking about things that we don't necessarily want to talk about, but actually uh, create connection, which is one of the concepts that she has really championed. So I would say for, for me, she has been a huge influence in my life. And because you were just mentioning Brene Brown, What does vulnerability mean to you? So I guess vulnerability to me is really saying the things that you don't necessarily want to say at the time that you don't necessarily want to say it because that's being real. So what vulnerability isn't is rehearsing it and practicing it. What vulnerability is, is saying yes to things when you might not necessarily be ready for it, that promotion, that that talk, that business, that side hustle, that starting a family, that having a relationship, even getting married. So some of these things, you have to give a vulnerable answer, which is a yes, and then grow into it. So vulnerability for me is saying yes when you're not 100% ready to jump into it and doing it anyway. So what is the best advice you've been given in your personal or professional life? Yeah, so I guess this really links to the last thing. The best advice that I would say ever got, and at the time I got it, I didn't really get it. And I think that this is one of the biggest um, lessons in life, that we don't truly get it until we're ready to get it, but the seed was planted. And this piece of advice was that you just have to jump in. So whatever it is, this mentor of mine at the time said, Abigail, I can't tell you how deep the water is, what temperature the water is. I can't tell you whether you're going to be able to swim. I can't tell you what's going to happen when you get into the water. All I can tell you is if it looks like you're drowning, we'll dive in and save you. So the best advice I can give you is just jump in and do what it is that you want to do. Both feet and just know that there are people there who will save you if it looks like you need it but that you will be okay. Wow, I just got goosebumps. I love that. And it's like, it's the most simplest piece of advice. And I think at the time it was so simple. 
my ego was just like, yeah, but it's all right for you to say that because you've been in there and you've done it and blah, blah, blah. And the reality is, yes, they'd done it and they were giving me the advice that you will be okay. (laughs) And we like to make it so much more complicated than it actually really is. How would your friends and family describe you in one word? I think they would probably say in one word, they'd say (laughs) tenacious. Mm. In more than one word, they'd say she just doesn't quit. What is the most important quality in a leader? I feel truly, or I believe that the most important quality in a leader is the ability to lead yourself first. Gone are the days of standing and telling people what to do and then doing the opposite. Don't do as I do, do as I say. And especially in the day and age that we're in with uh, authenticity and we talked about vulnerability earlier, if you're not leading yourself, you can't lead others. Last question for the rapid fire. What is one thing we cannot Google about you? I think one thing you can't Google about me is that I really love, love, love researching different things. I would say I'm obsessed with understanding how people get to where they get to. So what their human motivation is. And I wouldn't say it's truly Googleable about me. I just love people's stories. And so I would spend a lot of time researching people, how they got to where they got to, why they do what they do, which is why I find it harder to answer the question of who is an influence because... I'm influenced all day, every day by a million people and a million people's stories. One of the most recent ones I was learning was about Louis Vuitton, who started the bag company and how he started the bag company from nothing. And then his family members took it over and then the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So the brand that we see now, how that has evolved, I'm absolutely fascinated by that. And you will be able to Google that these things are what I'm interested in. Wonderful. I would love to learn more about you and how you got to where you are today. Will you mind sharing the key milestones that led you to where you are today? Yeah. Let's go from a young girl who laid under trees and watched the clouds go by (laughs) to somebody who then decided that they wanted to run their own business, but had absolutely no idea what to do or how to do it and followed then the traditional path that everybody else did around her of going to university, getting a degree. So I have a degree in marketing and then getting a job in finance, doing marketing and then doing a postgrad in marketing and then getting another job in finance and another job in finance and another job in finance because I was always searching for something. It was like there was a hole in my soul that I just couldn't fill with promotions with pay rises with parties with Prada with Prosecco with people (laughs) I mean Hannah I tried everything and I tried it over and over again and it's Einstein who said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result and yet we do and yet I did until one day a boss sent me on a work business trip and said Abigail you can go and meet your colleagues in Boston and and work on this project. I know this is what you've always wanted to do. And Hannah, I was so excited, got on the plane, arrived in Boston. My friend collected me from the airport, took me to her parents' house. We had dinner. I went to bed. We were getting very excited that the next day we were going to wake up and we were going to go and do the all-American girl dream that I wanted to fulfill because 
she was American. So this wasn't her dream. This was just me who had consumed all of these TV shows and just wanted to go and have coffee and go to the mall and do all of these cliche things that were in my head that I just, for some reason, thought I needed to do. But I woke up that day with a headache. And that was not to be unexpected as I consumed some alcohol on the plane. So for the first few moments of that morning, it was just, oh, it's just a hangover. It will pass. You'll be fine. Um, And then the symptoms got progressively, progressively worse. And I find myself throwing up in a dustbin and her mum is walking past the bedroom door. And because I'm unable to get to the bathroom, I just felt so unwell. And her mum saved my life she phoned an ambulance and the ambulance took me to the hospital 24 hours after I arrived at that hospital after the tests the doctors told me that at the age of 32 I'd had a stroke this wasn't (laughs) the answer I had been looking for however I'm sure your audience can resonate with this you can resonate with this when we're searching 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 and we're asking 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 The answers come, but they don't always come packaged in the way that we would love them to or that we expect them to. They just come and it's our job to deal with them. So that was February 2012. So this year, at the time of recording this podcast with you, this would be 11 years since that happened. And since then, my journey has been one of self-discovery of what actually am I here to do and who do I want to be in this lifetime and what legacy do I want to leave and who do I want to spend my time with and what messages do I want to share. So this is why my job, my passion, my work is around time and is around productivity and is around having more time. Because in those moments when I thought I was going to die, that's when I realised my time was about to run out and I had never used it mindfully, purposefully, intentionally. I'd just taken it for granted. And I know so many of us do until something happens to awaken us to the fact that it's finite, that it's limited and that this life experience that we're all going through is a one-way ticket. Wow. So that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing. And I'm so happy that you're doing much better and that that your friend's mom, that she saved you. A few things to double-click on. You said it started your self-discovery and to find your purpose. Would you mind sharing what your purpose is now? So my purpose now is to share something that we call the 888 formula with a million people by 2025. From the healing process to having that formula today, what did you find out about yourself? Like, how did Abigail change? So this is the question. This is what they call the work, if you like, in the psychology, therapy world is, is, is discovering who you are. So I said that this happened 11 years ago. It has been a journey as you're saying, of discovering who I am, what I want to do, how I want to spend my time and how I can live my life and then sharing a model and a methodology that I use with others and saying, look, try this on and see how it works for you. So over that time, I read a lot of books. I went to a lot of personal development events around the world studied with mentors, invested thousands 
of pounds in personal development to see what I couldn't see. So one of the things that they talk more and more about these days is our unconscious. And our unconscious is driving our lives and creating the results that we're experiencing. And these are things that we're doing that we're not aware of that we're doing. Things that we're saying to ourselves, like, I used to say things that this job is killing me. I hate my life. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what to do next. I'm so trapped. Uh, I feel like I'm just surviving. And these are narratives that were common in the marketplace, like many other people were saying them. So I didn't feel unusual saying it. But now, knowing what I know and knowing what we know and what is out there, your words create your reality. So on the journey, I've had to totally change my language and reprogram what I say. So I'm grateful, I'm happy and excited. Things, the better they get, the better they get. The universe is always working out for me. Money loves me. Uh, my mission is spreading around the world like wildfire. And you talk about the reality that you want and you talk it into reality. So on the journey, I would describe myself as somebody with one foot in the spiritual world and one foot in the strategic world, where obviously we have to take the action and do the thing. But it starts by allowing ourselves to dare to dream. We cannot achieve a goal if we don't have a goal. So what goals do we actually want? And what goals did we want and what goals did society encourage us to want and what goals do we actually really want now? When you look at this 11-year journey and now you look back to the Abigail that is about to start her first job within marketing or has just finished her marketing degree, what advice would you give that younger version of yourself? I love the concept of you've got time. Even though we're talking about time and we don't know how long we've got, There is an, a narrative and there is an energy that you have to do it all today. But where I've got to is you do what you do and what you don't do, you don't do. And now the position that I come from is what is for you will never pass you by. So yes, the opportunity comes, but you're not quite ready for it today. It will come back again if it's meant for you because everything is energy and like energy attracts. So we're evolving on the journey The opportunities are evolving. Energy attracts the opportunities, but we have to be ready and we have to believe and we have to understand that the universe, God, creator, whatever you believe in, has always got your back and it will get sent again. So how I would articulate this in the purest sense of the word is it's an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality of I must do it now. I must act on it now because it will never, ever happen again. And that's it. Too late. And I'm over. Was there also back then the society pressure? Like you just graduated, you need to get a good job. You need to make more money, like all this pressure to push for the next level without even knowing what your own purpose is. It sounds crazy to say this now, uh, but words like purpose didn't even exist. Personal development really wasn't a thing. Meditating even wasn't a thing. Uh, accountability, authenticity, all of these words that we are just being real, mental health. So it literally was do what other people are doing, fit in, keep your head down, do what you're told and be grateful for what you get. That was the way life was. Work hard in your 20s and 
make sure you get somewhere in your 30s and then you might be able to relax in your 40s. And, and I think that narrative still tries to go now. Um, and it's interesting because this, this conversation will sound contradictory with, with the things I say at the times. But when we understand that we don't know how long we've got, so we want to do the things, but it doesn't matter if you don't do the things. What matters is that whatever you do, whenever you do it, you do it from a place of joy. And you enjoy it. The key to happiness is being successful on the journey. For that end, I found three questions that you are asking on your website. The first one is, is the life I have the one I want? The second one, are the things I'm striving to achieve worth the sacrifices? And the third one, am I happy with how I spend my time? I guess those all go in the direction. Do you actually enjoy what you're doing? Yes. And the ability to self coach and self-question will be your own ability to achieve and to feel whatever it is that you want to feel in life. And on your website, I also read through the testimonials and there are some testimonials that say something like, oh, Abigail, she, she saved my life. What did you do with people that they come back with testimonials like this? How do you help them? First of all, when I get testimonials like this, Hannah, it makes me cry because I don't do it for praise, but to hear that it has worked for somebody is just incredible. And I would say all I do is present an alternative perspective. And when I do my talks and my training, I call it planting the seeds. So every single talk or training I do, I'm delivering training, telling stories, sharing thoughts and concepts and planting seeds and if the ground is fertile then flowers will grow if not the seeds will wait until the time is right like I shared the story about jumping in to the water is it cold um, I got that when I was meant to get it and so the people whose lives changed by it they're ready and it's almost like click they see a different perspective and I feel that this is the benefit of coaching this is the benefit of working with somebody else this is the benefit of training is that you are expanding your possibility the opportunities that people have today obviously every generation has their own other hurdles to overcome but it has never been easier than it is today to take action on what you're dreaming of doing And you mentioned alternative perspective twice. What is this alternative perspective that you're offering? So I would say that the story, so we, we go back to unconscious. The story that you're telling yourself in your head right now is creating the result that you have. So this is creating your reality And this story is also very much tied to your beliefs. So what you believe is possible for others and what you believe is possible for you and what you believe is just possible in general. So it's only when you would go to a training, you would read a book, you would watch something, you would hear somebody else tell you another story that your brain has the ability to go, oh, there's another way. People are doing a different thing. 
And this is why travel is so powerful. And this is obviously why the internet is so powerful, because you can find different information, but only if you believe it's possible. So it's about living in a vibration of possibility, of recognizing my current location is not my final destination. So where I am right now, I can't really do that much about it. But let's find a small thing I can do about it. Okay, I can change my belief that where I am right now can change. Step one. And then step two, I can do something different. I can read a book. I can take a course. I can find a coach. I can do a training. And then it's step by step by step until, oh, oh, wow. So one of the things I tell my audiences is, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And there are some people who are using their 24 hours to create the lives that others want. And there are some people that don't like those people and resent those people and hate those people and have opinions about those people. And yet they want what they have. So let's really dive in for a second to what do they actually have that you don't have. They don't have the beliefs about time that you have they respect their time in a different way they say no to certain things they don't spend their time watching certain things reading certain things talking about certain things doing certain things they look for ways to make money so that they can pay people to do things for them so that they can have time to do other things because they bottom line believe they're worth it I just had the vision coming to my mind, somebody who, say, a single mom, not high-paying job, even if she believes there's abundance, it might be cruel to say, just change your beliefs and it will come to you. Yeah, and this is such a great point to it. We know what we know based on who raised us, where we were raised, what our teachers told us, what our society told us, what our culture told us, what our caregivers told, told us, what our relatives told us, what we read in the papers, what our religions told us. And we believe it because of who delivered it to us. And that creates our reality. It's only when we take a different approach to all of this information, question it, And there's this phrase, I can't remember who's said it now. I've read so many things, done so much, so much stuff, I can never remember who's who. But they say the crack is where the light gets in. And so for me, it was the stroke that changed my ability to see things from a different perspective. For some people, it might be the loss of somebody. For some people, it might be the loss of a job. It might be trauma with a big T, trauma with a small T. It might be experiencing somebody else's trauma. But whatever happens to give the person the ability to see, oh, there could be a different answer coming up to this question that I've always thought the answer was this. Make the best of it, a bird in the hands worth two in the bush. All of these phraseologies that we've been taught to believe and then to question. And so how I used to do it is I think... There was a percentage of me that believed there was a different way, but it wasn't that strong. And I would search for examples and for proof and and for stories. But because I didn't really truly believe, I didn't really truly find ones that were strong enough. 
but I had a foundation of there could be another way. But now I just have programmed there is another way. There are, there are other stories. There is another narrative. And then I say to the universe, like I said, God, angels, whatever you believe in, show me another way. Find me proof. Give me examples. Help me to take the first step to see things differently. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm willing to, to receive. That, that part I'm with you. I feel like if I have the time or it's like I'm, I'm in that a little bit privileged situation, I can see how I find another way. I wanted just to challenge what if I don't have the time to even reflect on that. I was reading about a cruel positivity the other day and it just stuck with me that it's so easy to share those kind of thoughts to privileged people and that it might be cruel for those that are in a very different situation. And I, I totally understand that narrative. Uh, and you are speaking to somebody who now is the queen of the reframe, if you like. And it's a coaching conversation. So goes along the lines of, could you find somebody who does it? Could you find the time? Could you be open? Could it be possible? If not you, then, then why not? Why not you? And just, I never take time as an excuse. We have time to clean our teeth. We have time to make food. We have time to eat food. We have time to go to the bathroom. Because all these things are necessities. So when we make our feelings about what is possible a necessity, and all it is is saying, okay, I'm just going to do an experiment for the, for the next week. I'm just going to experiment that, that it could be possible for me to have a different life experience. If, if not now, then when, and why not me rather than why you it's, it could never be me. Why, why not me? If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be me. And the current narrative that's going around is the lucky girl syndrome, which I guess is just choosing to believe I'm lucky. So I would say to somebody who is in a position that they don't want to be in, just try on for a week. It's possible. The good news is what I'm hearing is that reframing is possible for everybody. And how does the 888 formula play in there? And what is it actually? So reframing is possible for everybody. And here's the good news. It's free. And here's the even better news. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to what you thought before. So the 888 formula is the simplest way to divide your 24-hour day based on science and society. So science says we need to sleep between seven to nine hours a night, so we call that eight. Society says that we need to be working an eight-hour day. So then what's left is your life. So this is everything that's not sleeping or resting or working. So this is the time that you would spend buying the food, cooking the food, eating the food, cleaning up after yourself, buying the clothes, wearing the clothes, washing the clothes, doing it again. This is the time you would spend on your hobbies. This is the time you would spend if you were starting a side hustle business. This is the time you would spend on your relationships. So starting a relationship, nurturing a relationship, growing a relationship. And then this is the time you would spend with your family. If you have a family, 
or with your pets, if you've got pets, whatever your situation. And then it's also the time you would spend cleaning your house, if you clean your house or your flat, wherever you live. And it's the time you would spend commuting to your job. So it's everything. And we use the formula to help people to recognize that, yes, you can work more. Yes, you can sleep less. But each of these actions has a consequence. And the consequence is either exhaustion, if you don't get the sleep that you need, or it's burnout, if you're working more than you, you, you can, you physically can, because you are just getting to the stage you can't look at screens anymore, you just constantly have headaches, whatever your symptoms are, and then you don't have a life. So mental health gets impacted by how you are allocating your time. So we use the formula to help people to assess instantly where their time is going and then use it to create the formula that they want for their life. So the 888 isn't an aspiration, it's just an information to help you to decide, oh, well, this is how much sleep I can get right now because of the situation I'm in. Maybe you have a young child, or you have a young family, or you've started a new job, or you've moved to a new place. So situationally, the amount of time we have for different activities will always change. But it's a way to empower you to recognize where your time is going and which battery is running out of energy and what needs to be charged and what needs your attention. If you then know how you spend your time, and maybe some people even have question marks on, okay, what should they be doing instead? Is that always clear to all your clients? That should word is something that we move, remove from our vocabulary altogether. It's way, way, way too easy for us all to use it. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should have done this. I should have done that. You do what you do. It's a framework to help you to see if how you're investing your time is getting you the result that you want, the life, the lifestyle that you want. And if it's not, what can I change? To make that concrete. So for some people, I guess, when they were tracking how they spend their time, Potentially, they will see, oh, I've got to spend 12 hours on social media. And to some degree, that's wasted time. And instead, I could spend more time with my friends or do my hobby. So this would then be giving them the insights and actually tell them that they do have those 12 hours available. They could reduce those 12 to just one hour on social media and then distribute it in a different way. Is that then the secret? Yes. And I'm going to tell you something now which might mm -hmm. shock you because I've had to recalculate this several times because it shocked me. <laughs> If you spend two hours a day on social media and you times that by 365 days of the year, yes. this equals 30 days a year. So two hours on social media is the equivalent of one month a year. And when I share this with audiences, the skepticism on their faces of, oh, I don't think I spend two hours. So in my book, Time Management for Entrepreneurs and Professionals, we've got a five-step process. And step number one is audit your time. So I would challenge anybody who doesn't feel or think or believe that they spend two hours a day on social media to track their time and track their time for seven days you can also track your time by t 
turning on the tracking apps on your phone these days because your phone now conveniently tells you how long you've been on certain apps. And it's not about what you should or shouldn't do, as we were just saying. It's about if I feel like I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time for my family, for my side hobby, for my side business, for whatever it is, for my health, for my well-being. I don't have enough time to meditate. I don't have enough time to get the sleep I need. I don't have enough. Track it and prove yourself wrong, for want of a better word. Because this data, this information is going to enable you to create a different reality, to create a different life experience. And it's not, we talk about this in the book, it's not that you are judging yourself. It's that once we know better, we can do better. So how I used to spend my time versus how I spend my time now is fundamentally different. What I say to myself is fundamentally different. When I have the data about how I spend my time, should I then also put it in buckets and prioritize it and really do it analytically? Or is it more about I do what I want to do? So step one And it's always about taking it step by step because we don't do what's too complicated. And if you start to try and solution on the journey, it's going to get very hard to come up with the answer. So step one, just track your time for seven days. Then step two is accept that this is where you're at. And then step three is actually start to assess what that data means for you, analyzing it. And then step four is making an agreement with yourself that that's it, line in the sand. I don't like what I'm seeing here. I'm accepting this. I'm holding up my hands and I am taking accountability and saying, maybe my social media has got out of hand or Maybe my box sets have got out of hand. You know, there is so much technology out there that can just take our attention. And then step number five is actually creating the plan for change and what we're going to do next. And we use something called the reset method to help people to focus on two goals per month that they want to achieve. Because in all of this, Hannah, it's not that people don't know what to do. It's that People are doing something that we call um, toxic time management. They are just on a constant merry-go-ride of learning something new, learning something new, learning something new. And your life will not change until you take an action, until you do something with what you know, until you dive into the water, which brings us back to the best piece of advice that I was ever given, which was take action on what you know. And you were saying before that, How you spend your time also changed quite a lot. How did it change? So when I was in the working world, I would spend my time working and then socializing after work and then sleeping for whatever time I could get and then getting up and doing it again. So I didn't really have much of a life and I didn't really sleep as much as I actually needed to. But everybody around me did the same, you know, The city, the finance sector, being a functional alcoholic was what most people were. And functional alcoholism means that you just drink and you carry on. And so nobody around me ever, there was no real red flags. It was just this was how we did it. And it's crazy to say this, but now we are so much more aware of the impact of, of the things that we're doing. So many more people 
they either don't drink or they drink way less. I now no, no longer drink. I haven't drunk now for four years. Um, I just made a decision one day that didn't suit me. The hangovers were getting no better. <laughs> I've always had hangovers all my life. And I just didn't want to be on that emotional roller coaster of the drinking and, and the hangovers and the emotional blues and then the doing it again <laughs> and getting the same result. I love it. And what is one last piece of advice for somebody who wants to work on their productivity, time management? Is there anything, anything else that's coming to mind that you would like to share regarding time management or productivity? So it's a sentence that can be said in two different ways. And I would suggest that your audience write this on a post-it note and stick it on the mirror and see it every single day when they're cleaning their teeth. Because I have it and it helps to remind me. And this sentence is it's your time. So we can say this sentence in two different ways. It's your time. This 24 hours a day, this clock that's ticking, this time is yours. What are you doing with it? What do you want to do with it? What don't you want to do with it? It's your time. And then said in the second way, it's your time. Whatever you're dreaming about, whatever you're hoping to achieve, whatever you want, From this life experience has never been a better time to start today. You will never know as much as you know. You will never feel as good as you feel. You will never have as much energy. There will never be a better time to start than today. It's your time. The rest of your life starts today. It sure does. What I love about that is that is you are in the driver's seat of your life. Like you choose, you're responsible. Because I think... That is also one thing I hear you say. You push back the responsibility of one's life to the person. Yeah. Because it's so easy to say, oh, it's because of society. It's because of that. We have to own our time. That's what I'm hearing loud and clear. Yeah. And, and let's be real to go back to it. There are some people who's, who don't feel like it's their time, like they fully own it. But I would encourage you to tell yourself over and over again, It's my time. It's my time. And this belief will get stronger and stronger in you. And as you believe differently, you will see differently. We talked about vibration earlier. You will attract proof of people who have been able to, to change jobs, to do different things. And it all can be done five minutes at a time, five minutes at a time, a different belief, a different action, a different habit. It's taken me 11 years to see things in a different way. It doesn't happen overnight, but I have always enjoyed the journey of evolving and aim to continue to enjoy the journey as we're never finished. We don't need to be fixed. Nobody's broken, but the journey never ends until it ends. So we are here to live, to learn, to love, to evolve. Thank you. I think that was the perfect last sentence for our time management. This is really inspiring. And I think you're the best example on how you own your life and how you own your time and you can do what you're meant to be doing. If it's possible for somebody else, it's possible for you. Two short last questions. What's coming up next for you? I am currently working on my TEDx talk to get the 888 formula in front of more people. I can't do it on my own. And we have a million people is the goal by 2025. The clock is ticking on that one. So I'm currently working on this. And I'm also working on my next book as well. It's your time. And last question. 
people who are really inspired, how can they sign up for your training, book you as a speaker or stay in touch with you? So you can find me on my website, Success by Design Training. Connect with me on LinkedIn. We do trainings for individuals and organizations. And I'm sure Hannah is going to leave all the links in the show notes as Perfect. Thank you so much, Abigail. This was so insightful. And I really would like to thank you to have taken the time and shared your wisdom with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you do. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to talk about it, please tag me at Delegate of Reaching Your Goals podcast. With that, we are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.